Well, I really wanted to follow suit and dance my way <laughs> up here, but I realize I've only kind of been here for two weeks, and I'm not sure I'm ready for that, and I'm not sure you're ready for that. <laughs> I'm actually, um, I love dancing, but I'm a terrible dancer. Just, it's not good. <laughs> Fred, on the other hand, is a fantastic dancer. So just hang on to that, put it in your back pocket for another day. I promise you won't regret that. He's great. <laughs> we know how the story ends. Jesus is victorious, right? He holds the power and the glory and his kingdom is forever. Believe it? Yes, we do, right? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Felicia and worship team, for setting the table for us to hear from God's word, just for creating an atmosphere where we can come uh, wholeheartedly and just worship and be free to do so. So thank you so much for that. How are you doing this morning? You good? Yeah? Great. Excellent. You happy to be here? This is a phrase I think Fred and I have said numerous times since we arrived. We're just so happy to be here. So happy to be here. I know it's only one month, you know, in, but um, I expect that will never change. And we mean that with all of our hearts, and we want you to know that. Genuinely, we are just so happy to be here with each and every one of you. Now, having that said, we do start some holidays tomorrow. <laughs> now, we kind of don't want to take them. Like, we're just kind of, you know, getting our feet wet here. We're getting the lay of the land, getting to know you all a bit better. And we're loving the whole experience. Um, but we recognize, too, just the need for a rest. A lot has transpired for us over the past few months, and so we know um, that by taking this time now um, to rest, that we'll be better for it when we come back. We're not going far, um, so if you see us around, say hello. We would love that. We're actually just going to just get to know and love and enjoy our new home and our city. So please, if you do see us around, make sure you say hello. And if you have any recommendations of what we should do together as a family, send them our way. We'd love to, we'd love to hear that. So we're carrying on with our sermon series um, together this morning, looking again at when Jesus says, I will. And I hope this has been a meaningful series for you this far. It's our desire that you would find Jesus' words, and in particular, his I will statements. It's our desire that you would find them to be just life-giving and assuring and encouraging, and we hope they will come to mind for you when you need them most. We hope they will always stand as truth for you. In seasons of doubt or discouragement or weariness, we can take Jesus' words as truth. In our passage we're going to look at today, Jesus reminds us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so no matter what season we find ourselves in, 
we can always just plant ourselves and take root and stay rooted in Jesus. Because of Jesus and what we learn from him and what he has spoken to us through his word, we can live with this unshakable confidence. We live knowing that in the questions, Jesus is and speaks truth. In the chaos and confusion, Jesus is the way forward. In weariness, Jesus is life and suffering and hardship and trials, Jesus is victorious. Honestly, what better hope can we have on this earth? Jesus is our living hope. We opened our service today with that amazing song. And I love this truth, that Jesus is our living hope. It's taken right from the scriptures. 1 Peter 1 and 3 says it for us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus is our living, our living Hope. Living is an adjective. It's an action word. And so when scripture tells us that Jesus is our living hope, it's something we get to experience the movement of. Does this make sense? Yeah. We can count on the hope we have in Jesus to be current and active and moving and breathing and prevailing And as disciples and apprentices and followers of Jesus, we find it infuses and permeates our situations and circumstances, don't we? No matter what transpires, our experience through the good and the bad is that in Jesus, there is always hope. Always. Always. So our will... Our I will statement today comes from John chapter 14, 1 to 7. And Felicia read a bit of this for us already today. And this is all about hope, my friends. So John 14, 1 to 7, it says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so what's our I will, our, that's really tricky to say. What's our I will statement from Jesus here? I will come back. And take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I will come back. 
Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, he says to us, I will come back for you. What does that do for your spirit? When you know someone you love and someone who loves you deeply is coming back for you, what does that do for your spirit? I know I have used this phrase as a parent numerous times, mommy's coming back. Don't worry. And many of you who have had children or grandchildren would probably say the same thing. We have said this phrase numerous, numerous times. Mommy's coming back. And now I probably said this a lot more when my girls were younger. Not so much now because they're a little older and they know that I've proved this to be true. They know that when I leave that I am coming back. And so... When I actually sat and thought about this, I realized I I still do say this, but it's directed now more towards the dog. (laughs) So, as an aside, something to know about me, I am an animal lover, and I especially love dogs, and I totally talk to my dog. (laughs) Totally. I will never deny that. Back to my girls, though. And Adele in particular, she was very attached to me as a baby, as a toddler even. She's sweet, right? <laughs> she, um, she didn't even want Fred, ever. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. Um, We have so many stories of just being out in public and like me having to go to an appointment or have a conversation with someone or trying some clothes in a dressing room and Adele taking Adele from me. And honestly, and justifiably so, for the people witnessing what was happening, it was as if a stranger was ripping this child away from her own mother. Everything, everything was mama. For Adele, everything. And I loved that, I did. It was exhausting, it was exhausting, but I really tried my best to give her the security she needed and over time really try to show her that there are good people, including her father, (laughs) that we choose to (laughs) surround ourselves with who will also love and care for her. When the time came for Adele to start daycare, well, even in the weeks leading up to her very first day, I would say a thousand times over um, to her, you're going to daycare, but mommy is coming back. I will come back. You don't need to worry. Mommy's coming back. Well, when I picked her up after her very first day of daycare, the daycare worker had told me, you have prepared your daughter well for this. We have heard all day long, didn't matter what we were doing, we have heard over and over and over again, my mommy's coming back. My mommy's coming back. (laughs) So those words had become her mantra. 
they had become her mantra, and they weren't just words. That was made pretty clear. She believed them to be true, and they helped her to adjust and cope. They gave her comfort in knowing that, yeah, while I can't be with her at certain times, I will always come back for her. She understood that, and she took comfort and assurance in that. And so let's plant ourselves back in Scripture here, and let's think about the disciples here for a moment. What's their context in hearing Jesus say, I will come back for you? In this particular passage, um, Jesus is teaching, and he's comforting his disciples. This is a conversation that takes place during the Last Supper, which we begin to read about in chapter 13. And this particular conversation takes place after Judas, the one who betrays Jesus, leaves the upper room. And so what we're looking at together this morning is taking place before Jesus um, is betrayed by Judas, before he's arrested, and before he's taken on trial. So what Jesus is doing here is preparing his disciples for all that's going to happen. And particularly, he's preparing them for what's going to happen after his death and resurrection. Jesus knows. He knows the time of his death is near. So throughout this passage and all of chapter 14, and even in the previous chapter, we get a sense of how worried the disciples must have been. Jesus is speaking clearly about his death now, and it's obvious that the disciples are are afraid of what that's going to mean for Jesus and for them. This is also at a point in time where the disciples are the target of shame for choosing to stick with and follow Jesus, so keep that in mind as well. They're afraid, they're worried, they're not very popular with the religious leaders or for the vast majority of the people now. They're probably feeling crushed and overwhelmed as Jesus is speaking to them here. And they start asking questions. Peter asks at the end of chapter 13, right before our passage, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replies, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. And so this leads us into our passage today and all of chapter 14, where Jesus is just providing answers and offering comfort and hope during what would be a stressful and uncertain time for the disciples. And so in our passage again, Jesus says this. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Translation this time. Do not let your heart be troubled, afraid, cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust in him. Have faith, hold on to it, rely on it, Keep going and believe also in me. I think most translations say trust, trust in God, trust also in me. I like the extra words that the Amplified Translation provides. I personally find it helpful in my own understanding and applying of scripture. But Jesus is essentially telling his disciples there is a crisis coming. But stand firm Hold fast, have confidence in your faith. You can trust God, and you can trust 
me. And here's why you can trust me. And my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And to the place where I am going, you know the way. This is why you can trust me, Jesus says. I am leaving, but you know the way to where I am going. And where I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you to be with me so that you can be where I am. Thomas asks the question, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus says to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So what Jesus is teaching his disciples and us here is that there is purpose in all of this. There is purpose in his death. It's not just a crisis that can't be adverted. There is purpose. And one of the purposes is for him to return to the Father and prepare a place for his followers to join him there. What do you think this means for the disciples? To hear Jesus speak these words at such a critical point in time. They obviously still have questions. Other disciples ask questions in the remainder of the chapter. Remember, they don't have the the gift of the Holy Spirit yet with them. They don't have the full picture like we do now or the wisdom and understanding that comes with the Spirit's leading in our lives. Jesus does explain later on in the chapter that he will send them the Spirit to counsel and comfort and help them. It's part of his preparing them for his departure. Jesus is providing answers and comfort and encouragement here at such a pivotal time for these guys. They've been with Jesus for three years, have witnessed amazing miracles and teaching and were shown how to live and what really matters. So much of Jesus' teaching was revolutionary. At this time, the disciples were committed to Jesus. They loved him. They loved him. They don't want to lose being with him. So hearing him talk about leaving must have been scary and hard and confusing. But into that worry and that doubt and that fear and concern, Jesus comforts them and says to them, I will come back for you. He is saying to them, heaven is awaiting your arrival. There is a place here with your name on it. 
and I will be there with you. You will be where I am. I will come back for you. This is his promise to his disciples. As his followers, he promises it to us. And he wants us to have confidence in it, to trust him in this. Jesus is coming back. We had the privilege on Friday to witness Jacob and Christina's wedding ceremony. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was God-honoring. They made promises to God. They made promises to each other. You know, God gives us the marriage metaphor to teach us about his love for the church. And I was reminded of that during this wedding ceremony. Scripture explains to us how the church is the bride of Christ. We really get the best understanding of what that means and when we know the actual history and background of a Jewish wedding ceremony. And that's a whole other sermon for another day. But what I want to say is this. We are told that we are the bride of Christ. Historically, a Jewish groom would go and prepare a house for his bride. He could be gone for quite some time. It could be months and months and months. And the bride would have no idea when exactly he would be coming back, but she knew he was coming back. And she needed to be ready for whenever that was. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. And he is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for us. Jesus is coming back. This is his promise to us. It is our hope. There's accountability on our part in this. Are we ready for when he comes back? Are we ready for when he comes back? Jesus tells us today, to the place where I'm going, you know the way. You know the way. He continues, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our trust and our belief and our choosing to follow Jesus is exactly how we secure our eternity with him. Like the disciples will have to do going forward, we too will have to hold on and stand firm and trust and believe in God's plans and purposes. Life will test us. Situations and circumstances will try to overwhelm us. But we have Jesus' words. We have all of these I will statements that we've been looking at together. And we have the words this morning that say to us, I will come back. I'm coming back. I will come back for you. I will prepare a place for you. I will take you to be where I am. 
So what does Jesus' words, I will come back for you, do for your spirit? What does it mean to hear Jesus speak these very words to you this morning? I will come back for you. I will come back for you. God himself came to us through Jesus with the purpose to restore and love and save us from sin and brokenness. And so Jesus willingly went to the cross and died for each and every one of our sins so that death would not have the final say over us so that we could join him in the most glorious place. When we choose to follow him, that is to lay our sin at his feet and receive his grace, to walk this life in faith and with trust in him, we experience his living hope. And we live with this, this living hope that gives us this eternal perspective that no matter what, no matter what, Jesus is saying, I will come back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. His desire is for us all to be with him. And so if you're unsure if he's coming back for you or not this morning, today is the day you can be sure. You can be sure. Choose to trust and believe and put your hope in Jesus. You won't regret it. You will not regret it. We need his hope. Don't we? We need his hope. How can we live without it? How can we live without it? There is always, always, always hope in Jesus. Always. As the worship team comes up, I want to leave you with a final scripture passage. It's from 1 Peter 1, and I actually opened you know, our time together with this passage, but I'm going to take it a bit further, and I'm going to read it to you from the message paraphrase. And while I read it, if you want to close your eyes and just listen, you can. If you want to follow along on the screen, that's okay too. Um, but let's receive this word <clears throat> for us this morning. What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it, proved pure 
Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. So roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It cost God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought, even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge. God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. You have a future in God. We have a future in God. If you want it, you have a future in God. So will you hear, and not just hear, but receive his words to you this morning? This I will statement. Will you receive it? That he says to you, I will come back for you. I will come back for you. All we have to do is trust and believe. Our passage started, trust in me. We just have to trust and believe and choose to follow Jesus. That's what we have to do. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we're so grateful. We're grateful for what you have done for us through Jesus. We're grateful, God, that you have paved the way for us to be with you. That you have paved the way for us to receive grace and mercy and forgiveness from our sin, our mistakes, our failures. God, you have paved the way for all of that to be forgiven, for us to be made new, made holy, to be able to live this life with incredible hope that we have a future with you. We have a future with you. And when we give our lives to you and when we trust you and when we choose to follow you, God, that's unshakable. That is a promise that we can claim and hang on to and believe in. Thank you that you are a God who loves. 
humanity. You are a God who invites all to the table. And it is your desire that we would all be there. So God, may we receive your invitation afresh or anew. Today, may we receive it. And may we just say, yes, I'm I'm waiting for you to come back. And I'm going to live my life. I'm going to follow you and trust you that no matter what, you're with me. You will give me rest. You will make me and equip me. You're willing to heal me. And you're coming back for me. You are incredible. And we thank you for your amazing love and your grace. As we worship you now, God, we just pray that we would feel your spirit in our midst, in our hearts, and that we would be able to raise our voices in freedom and in joy because of what you have done for us. We love you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.